Okay, last week I stopped for a little bit to take a look at the doctrine of election, also called the doctrine of predestination, uh, so that we could have a little bit better understanding of the election controversy uh, that happened in the 1880s. Um, I gave you a flyby of it, and uh, also explained the end. Um, I was encouraged to review that and kind of go through that one more time. Um, and uh, that's probably a, a, a good idea. Uh, do it a little different way. Last time I went through some overheads that talked about what happened before time and in time. I also spent a good deal of time contrasting the three ways of looking at election from an Arminian point of view where man accepts or rejects and Calvinism, which actually teaches a double predestination that God chooses some to salvation and chooses some to damnation, as opposed to the scriptural point of view in which there is only a single election or predestination of God choosing believers um, if someone rejects, uh, it's not because they didn't accept or it's not or, uh, it's not because God damned them, it's because they reject. So I, I kind of went through that last time. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, I talked about the distinction between uh, man being why are some saved and not others with the synergist Arminian man is the answer in the Calvinist God is the answer with the scriptures that actually on different sides of the line attributes all salvation to God or uh, if there is damnation that is all to man I'd like to, I think last time I took a look a little bit at the formula of Concord, I'd like to explain it this time uh, with a little different approach, and then I'm going to spend uh, most of the time explaining how the uh, election controversy, either the, the Calvinist Dominion does not break comfort. Uh, because I explained, if we understand election properly, it should give comfort to the to the believer. All right, some of the scripture passages that speak of this thing. Second uh, Timothy one that God has saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. And there it speaks of before time began. So, it's not based upon our works, this idea of making the decision or thing of this sort. But, God's graciousness, it is His work, uh, and He purposed this to happen already before time began. And what is He going to do? He's going to save us, He's going to call us, He's going to do it in time, that which He uh, decided to do before Ephesians 1, 3-6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, 
just as he chose us, there's the election word, just as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, so before time began, before this world was set up, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So, his election, his predestining, and causing it to action, what did it do? Well, it made us his sons. And this is his good pleasure to his praise. It is his grace. Uh, that is why it happens. So we see that election is an act of God. He's the one who did it. He chose, he elected before time. He was moved to do this, not by any merit in us, not by looking ahead and seeing <coughs> something that we had done. Um, it is, 2 Timothy 1, not according to our works, but according to his purpose. The predestination concerns uh, men themselves, particularly we talk about his uh, election of those who are believers. The elect are predestined unto being, and, and here's the thing, unto being called through the gospel unto salvation. So usually when we're talking about the election, and we're going to get to this in just a little bit, the, um, it is for the benefit of believers so that they know that God is going to do the whole thing, not just start it, not just a little bit, it's, it's never in doubt like it's left up to us, so what he, uh, uh, it includes uh, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So he had a purpose, and what did he do? Luther says, he calls them by the gospel. Right? So what's the gospel? Jesus Christ died for you. Believe it. So I'm calling you by the gospel. That creates faith in you so that you're saved. It's not according to our work, it's according to his own purpose and grace, which was in Christ Jesus. It includes adoption, it includes calling, it includes, this election includes keeping us in the faith. He says, and I give them eternal life. Ephesians 2, or that was John 10, Ephesians 2.10 says that uh, even our doing of good works, God prepared beforehand. He says, yeah, that's my doing too. Um, so this decree of election ordains, it's not merely calling them, it's not merely final salvation, but it includes the whole thing. So here's the point. The point is that when we understand, and I said before, you know, the doctrine of election is the last doctrine. Um, it, 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 if you've messed up any of them before, you know, it's going to be hard to get to that one. Once you realize that you have 
original sin. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. You know, when the Arminians say, you know, well, you have to accept them. You, have to, you kind of go, no, I can't even do that. I'm dead. And you realize, wow, there's nothing I could do. Um, oh, well, what's there? And then I realize God has called me. And, and he saved me. I go, wow, I'm glad he did it because I couldn't. So now I'm struggling in my faith. I'm, 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 I'm trying to love God. I find I'm, I, even now that I'm saved, I find that I'm failing. Right? Uh, um, oh, I, I sinned again this, this, you know. Oh, so, you know, I'm, I'm afraid now. I begin to think about this. If, if I can't save myself, I also can't keep myself in the faith. How do I know that, that you know, I'm, I'm going to stay in the faith? How do I know that I'm going to be saved? Because I'm, I'm, this is out of my control. Before time. God had a plan. And He's going to call you. He's going to keep you in the faith. He's going to bring you there. This election is a comfort for a believer in which I say to you, continue to confess your sins. Continue to trust in Christ. All the believers say, continue in faith in Christ. That's the way God does it. Well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah you believe, right? Yeah. God's got this plan, and he's working it out. It includes the entire way. Um, that's, what, that's what election uh, uh, comforts us in. That those whom he foreknew, those whom he also predestined to be corn for sin, those that he might be the firstborn of, moreover, he predestined these, he also called, he's going to work it all out. That's the comfort. Oh, good. It's not up to me. It wasn't up to you at the beginning. It's not up to you now. The God who worked, decided this already has a plan. Okay, good. Pastor. In the verse just before this number four, we are God's workmanship. Actually, the Greek word there means we are God's work of art. I believe the root of that is poemo, <coughs> where we get the English word poem. It's a work of art. We are God's work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us that we should walk in them. It doesn't say that we should do them. We walk in them. He's doing the good works through us. One more comment. If you're a Christian, you can't be a fatalist. Why? Because you believe it's in, he's taking care of it. Bingo. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to... Uh, um, Again, it, it's hard to talk just, I don't know, say theoretically, but just without an application. Um, so I'm, I'm going to bump over and, and, and give you kind of the application. But last of all, this knowledge of our election. No man on earth has a direct information as to his personal election. Mm-hmm. That's where I was talking about looking behind the 
behind the wall, right? You, you can't all of a sudden get to God's secret knowledge, right? Um, so, it's not written in the scriptures, Michael Henson is elected. And without that, I can't have direct knowledge of what God has said. It only comes when I am a believer, and I believe in Christ, and God has worked faith in my heart. And I say, well, how does God elect people? He elects them by calling them by the gospel, creating faith in their hearts. He does it by, Pastor mentioned, we've become his work of art. If you see anything good, you go, wait, God must be doing something. Um, And so it's inferred uh, uh, knowledge concerning it. So that's kind of the last piece of the puzzle. Um, There was the election. All right. Let's go back to our three points and see. Um, Calvinist. Calvinists believe in double predestination. That is, double election. God elects some to salvation. God elects some to damnation. You've probably heard me say it. I've got a a preacher that lives about a block from me. Uh, He's the pastor of the Presbyterian Church. I noticed, as I was talking to him one day, I noticed that his license plate had the word tulip on it. And I were, you know, um, now, if you're a pastor, you know what this is. If you're not, you think, you know, the guy must like flowers. <laughs> no, no, no. The word tulip is the acronym for Calvinists, for Presbyterians. And it means T, total depravity. There is nothing in man that can he can do to save himself. We're all of original sin. You, unconditional election, um, God does this without condition, it's kind of absolute, he just picks some and to go to salvation, and he picks some uh, for, for damnation. We tend to describe this as an absolute choice, or a blind or a naked choice, it's as if... It's as if there's a whole bunch of marbles in a bag, and God goes, yep, that one, yep, that one, and just just picks. Unconditional. L, limited atonement. For Calvinists, Jesus didn't die for the sins of the world. He died only for the sins of those who would come to believe. He didn't die for the unbelievers. Um, sometimes they say, no blood lost on the unbelievers, kind of thing. I, it is grace, but it is irresistible. If God has chosen you, you uh, uh, receive the grace. Um, It's not that God might want you and you could say no to him. Nope, it's irresistible. It's going to happen. This is the way it is. And finally, P is the word for the perseverance of the saints. Those that he elected will persevere and will be saved. It's not that somehow they something will mess up. Um, that is what Calvinists talk about. Put the ones that will key in on um, is this um, unconditional election, choosing some and not others. This limited atonement that he only died for some. Okay, so here's the. Put yourself in the mind frame. The gospel promise. Jesus died on the cross, 
took away sins, believe, believe in this, the forgiveness of sins by Jesus. The gospel promise, yeah, it may not be sincere. What do you mean it may not be sincere? Well, if he only died for the ones who are finally saved, if you happen to be an un God, if God chose you to be, if he created you and chose you to be damned, that was his whole purpose, I can tell you about Jesus dying on the cross, but he really didn't die for you. It may not, may not actually apply to you. How would you know? How would you know? How would you know? In other words, I tell you, believe that Jesus died for you, and you say, okay, I did, and I go, eh, but he really didn't, so you don't get it. What? Doesn't that make a liar of all the apostles? (laughs) Okay, so scripturally it doesn't work. <laughs> and then, no, I, mean, I mean, you're right. That's just exactly the point. Um, again, I, I don't want to get into you know how you can twist okay. these passages to try to make it say something. So here's what's going to happen. Then you say, how are you going to know? Well, the person's going to have to get that secret knowledge of God, so that if you know that you're elected, then the promise to save you is good. So, a promise isn't sincere until first you know. So, in the Calvinist system, you have to first know that you're elected before you can know if if the gospel promise to you can save you, because it may not. Now, if you're not elected unto salvation, if God chose you to be damned and created you for that purpose... Well, see what see the problem with this, and so here's the next problem, and this is the last nail in the coffin. So um, I can't remember which one of you are saved and which one aren't. Sorry, you're not saved and you are. Okay, you got that. You were chosen to be damned and you were chosen to be saved. So here's, we'll just we'll make a ripple. So here's the thing. I say to you, Jesus died for you, and you say. I believe it, right? And so you have faith. I say to you, Jesus died for you. You believe it. No, you believe it. You kind of go, oh yeah, okay, Jesus died for you. And I go, yeah, but you're damned. Because God chose you. So in this system, how, what part does faith have? None. That's the problem. And that's, you know, that's the thing that the Lutherans keep, when they talk to the Calvinists, they keep saying, but for you, the doctrine of election is everything, and faith, really, it doesn't matter. You know, so whenever it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, we say, whoever believes, well, unless it's not, then it doesn't. So the problem with that is faith is, is, is pretty well out of the system. It just doesn't... How did they get any followers? It doesn't matter. Why um, is there still a Presbyterian church? I know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, but again, I'm, I'm walking this through. Yeah. In practice, what happens? People come to church, they hear the gospel and believe it, and then they say, well, I must be one of the elected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In both these hopelessly unscriptural doctrines, it's always looking inside yourself to determine whether... 
you're actually safe. Whether that's a look inside yourself saying, I'm a good person, or I've got lots of, you know, gifts, or I really believe in Jesus this week, or whatever. Instead of looking to the scriptures and having faith in God, it's always in yourself, which if you believe in total depravity, is completely nonsensical. I mean, Armenians don't believe in total depravity anyway. But... Yeah, so, I mean, when you say look inside, you're exactly right. So what happens? You know, you have a whole bunch, you know, you got a full church of Presbyterians, and none of them believe that God elected them to damnation. It's always the other person. <coughs> Eric? Uh, on to up, uh, so what happens if you have a believe in resistible faith? What did you say? Resistible grace? They believe in irresistible. So then we believe in resistible? Um, you can always resist God. In fact, as with original sin, you do always resist God. So yes, grace is not... Uh, um, grace, no. After the last day, every knee shall bow. Every there's no resisting. On the last day, God gathers the sheep and the goats, and the goats don't say, "Yeah, I'm not coming today. I'm you know busy." No, no, no. Everybody does. So before that, yeah, it's a promise. God's coming out and inviting, and you can say no to God. You can run away from God. You know, you can thumb your nose at Him. So absolutely. That's Calvinist. Arminian. The gospel promise is always sincere. God does want you to be saved, and he's coming out with the good news that Jesus died for your sins, and it all depends upon you whether you're going to be saved or not. That is, you have to make a decision, you have to accept Jesus into your heart, you have to, whatever you have to do, it's all up to you. Uh, the key word for them is free will. There's not original sin that, that makes you dead in your trespasses and sin. It may be that, uh, that due to the sin, that, that you have a sinful, and it kind of, you know, it's like at one hand tied behind your back. You still, you still have to do something. You know, it's, it's kind of stacked up against you. But there's enough left in you that... And so you have to use your will, your free will, in order to make a decision. And so, for the Arminians, there, there is faith. But God doesn't... It's not that his election creates faith in you. Because you have faith, now God elects you. So for the for the Calvinist, you got the bag with the marbles and you just pick them out, right? But but for the Arminian, God looks and says, Oh, you have faith? I will choose you. Um, how about you? Oh, you rejected. I will not choose you. So God goes around and picks the winners. Kind of that. So what is this? Well, I put faith in quotes. Why? Do they 
because they think the faith is something they have to do. Because it's not really the faith. The Scripture's faith is the gift of God that trusts in Christ. Receives. For them, it's an ability that they learn and practice. It's ability. It's a decision. It's an action. It is something that they do. So it's not really... I mean, they've turned faith into some to, to man's action, man's work, man's the thing that saves him. Or you know, done. well, so what kind of election do they have? Not well, it's not. I mean, with that in quotes too. It's not, you're not really elected. There's no God. <laughs> I mean, God does it after the fact. So I really. Um, so with neither one of these, this one ends up where with. Calvinism, you have to know you're elected before you can do it. This one is, you have to make the decision before you can get elected, so it always ends up, did I do it? Did I really accept it? Oh, I, I, uh, um, so you fell into sin again. I don't know if you really accept, because if you really accepted him, you wouldn't have fallen into sin. Um, well, it was a little sin. Oh. So yeah. you can fall at any time with them. And so, repeatedly. So the problem with sin is that it always calls into question your salvation. Right. So you know, it's it's yeah. it's when you know it's always this kind of question, um, um, do you really love me? Yeah. You know. Um, are you real well, I did this. So it, it's always and so for them, that's that's why this you remember me talking about backsliding? See, the problem, we always, when, whenever we sin, we go, oh yeah, I sinned, and I have to confess my sins, you know, and go back in the right way. Uh, we have no trouble saying, oh, absolutely. For them, though, if for some reason you actually sinned, you, we may call into question your decision. So it's a whole lot better to say, well, I just... I just backslid. But I'm st- don't worry, I'm still. I still made a decision for Jesus. I'm just not living up to my decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, maybe. Do they pray for help when experiencing that? <laughs> because we all know we sin, and we made a prayer chain about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, So that's the that's the problem. I got four hands. All right. Okay. One of them was uh, on this Armenian, and this is what I hear from my sister all the time. I had the blessing of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit came to me and then I now know that I am saved. So that's how she sort of mixes with Lutheranism. I didn't get that. But when I did this, now I know I'm saved because I know the Holy I had an experience with the Holy Spirit and you can't convince me otherwise. So, the experience of the Holy Spirit, what is that? Well, that's something inside. That's an inward something another. And as long as I got that inward something another, then I, that's my assurance. It's not that Jesus died for me. It's not, the assurance is down, down, deep in my heart. What happens when sin, struggling, suffering, depression, what happens when that calls into doubt that spark you have inside of you? That's when it, all of a sudden, you kind of go, well, I, you know, for, for a Lutheran, 
I go back to them. I don't care how you're feeling. Do you believe in Jesus? You know, did Jesus die for you? Well, yes, he did. Okay. You're saved. He saves you in your depression. He saves you in, you know, your suffering. He saves, you know. Uh, um, yes, you did sin. Now, you believe that Jesus died for that sin. Anyway, I'm always bringing you back to that. With that feeling, it's always, as long as I got that feeling, so I'm trusting in something. But you're right. That's exactly the kind of, of thing that's always going to... That's what is brought up constantly, constantly, constantly. Right. Um, the problem with that is, when I'm feeling good, that religion comforts me. When bad things happen, that religion can't comfort me. Because all of a sudden, now I'm really struggling. Um, I'm going to come up from the back. Is that why then they have things like revivals and and I got to go on another mission trip to try to bring back that feeling. Um, I, that's about money. I'm sorry, but I've been to some revivals <laughs> with my Baptist aunt, and you can see right through those guys that's all about money. They may peripherally hope that people will be inspired, as you're talking about, but it it's money. Um, religion makes money. Oh, you can make lots of money well, off of religion. Um, but that's exactly right. So what happens is, I, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I hesitate to do too big of an analogy, but you know, this is, um, the analogy would be marriage, man, woman, they get married. Um, you know, how do I know that I have a marriage? I got that loving feeling down in my heart. Well, as long as marriage is going good, that feels pretty good, right? And then when you struggle with this and you kind of go, yeah, I'm not quite sure, you know, I, I got butterflies towards her anymore. That, I'm feeling a lot of butterflies towards my neighbor's wife about now. <laughs> What's happened? So that's when all of a sudden now you question, you know, did I, am I married or not? Or, you know, I mean, that's, that would be the kind of analogy that it does it. So, revival. Honey, we're going to go to a marriage retreat. We're going to get the feelings back again, and then we'll know we're married. Really? That's what it takes? I mean, okay, Eric? Uh, you kind of already answered that, but maybe clarify a little bit more. You said the Arminian uh, sin calls into question salvation. Yeah. But for Lutherans, we don't, we don't say sin calls into question your salvation, but we also don't say, well, you sin, that's okay. Yeah, we don't say it's okay, do we? It's always a matter of, what do I do? I confess that sin, and I return. Not every sin takes me away from Christ. Not every sin... You know, there are sins of weakness, there are sin, you know, I mean, yes, that, that's right. So, so that's not the case. Not every time that I lose that loving feeling, you know, do I need to divorce my wife. It just, it's, it's, it's not that. So that's the kind of thing. For them, though, you know, I, I really made that decision if I'm living up to it. And as soon as I tell you I'm not living up to it, you question whether, you know, am I really committed you know, all right, so you didn't go to church one Sunday. Hmm, I'm not quite sure your decision was really for Jesus. You may have now lost that decision for you. So that's what I mean. It always calls into question. 
going to school for my entire childhood with a whole bunch of Armenians was extremely instructive, and since my parents talked to me about it, it was not a problem. But man, do they hate St. Paul. Because St. Paul, he, I mean, I just love St. Paul. It's like, the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I don't do, and I'm like, that's me. And talk about explaining salvation perfectly. I mean, how, how did they just get around that? Like, mm-hmm. just, you're just not a sinner, really. And St. Paul's like, it is not about how you feel, and it's not about what you do, because you're going to be wrong all the time. Man. And you just ignore almost all of the New Testament to get to this stupid conclusion. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> Too um, bad we're not giving our real opinions about these yeah. things, right? <laughs> all right, Luther, or Scripture. I put in here, and I want to be real careful, because I... um, Election causes faith. Okay? Um, What are our our options? Um, This one, again, we'll leave off damnation, just so that you know that with that. But this kind of deal is election causes salvation. But as I explained it, really... Faith doesn't really get into it. Um, faith is kind of the after thing. Once God chooses to save you, well then, then faith later. But faith for Arminians, it's not really faith. They don't really have an election and it's mainly a, a decision. But with the Lutheran, faith is pretty prominent. Now, it is election does cause salvation, but I want to emphasize that it is faith which is salvation. Um, so, election is for the whole thing, but, but note how faith has such a role in this. So, one, God wants all men to be saved. We know that is true. He is sincere. He's not lying. Next, I know that I can't save myself. I'm dead in my sins. Dead in my trespasses and sins. Dead people don't do anything. You can't make a decision for Jesus. You can't accept him in your heart. You, de- you don't have that ability. You lost it uh, with the fall into sin. Therefore, God works through the word and sacrament. And where he is working, preaching his word, um, baptizing, uh, Lord, um, he is always sincere. So what does he do through this word and sacrament? Well, he works repentance by the law. He uses the law to create a sorrow over sin, uh, repentance. Apart from the law, we wouldn't know it. But when God reveals it to us, um, he, he does that. Then he creates, or we would say gives faith by this gospel promise. He preaches how Jesus died, telling us to trust and to believe in what he has done. And he tells us that all who believe are saved. So, having shown us our sins, having given us faith to trust in the forgiveness of our sins, he says, faith, all who believe are saved. At this point, because of that line that goes down the middle, if I come to believe, we say, all thanks be to God. We don't say, I did it. We don't say, I did part of it. Well, at least I know we say, all thanks be to God. It was his work. If I am saved, God gets 100% of the credit. And, and, and now that I believe, ah, I, I confess that clearly. When the believer then begins to wonder whether they will 
persevere. I, I'm confessing my sins. I'm believing in Jesus. But I realize just this is out of my control. So 100% God's doing. And I, I'm beginning to, you know, um, every day, I thought I would have the Holy, the great Holy Spirit, the victory in Jesus, the deep down in my heart. I thought I would be perfected and everything would be great. And I've been living 50 years and I confess my sins every day. Really? Don't worry. The doctrine of election. Yes, it's an indirect proof. You have to come to faith first. But it assures us, you know, it was God's plan. This was his plan. For you to confess your sins every day and believe in him. It was a plan that he set up before there was even time. And this is the way that he is going to save you. He chose you in Christ. And he will bring it to completion through your faith in Christ. This is the way that he works. This is what he did. So, don't, you know, uh, um, if if you believe, you're following, you know, this is God's way of doing it. Continue with his word and sacrament, that is, with faith in Christ, with the assurance, indirect knowledge. Again, I can't see my name, but this is the way God does stuff. And this is what he has promised. That's what the election is. Now, granted, when there is no faith, uh, uh, if, if someone says, well, I don't believe, if you're a Calvinist, I've got to point you to election first. And then for the Lutheran, we go immediately to, all right, let me show you your sins, and let me tell you the gospel promise to create faith. So this is the way that election is taught in the scriptures, the way that it is used by us as a comfort. Questions? Yes? I noticed that you say when the believer wonders, not if. That sounds like another sin that I see that I'm not alone in because I only wonder. I don't doubt. I pray that I will. And you're saying that's how election offers uh, comfort, and I completely agree that has been my experience. But how can you have that if you don't keep attempt to keep your mind in the Word? You know, do the readings. I I can't claim that I do it every day, but try to stay there. And I overslept this morning, and my hair is dirty. I'm still here, and it's because one of the first lessons I learned from you is I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. So thank you for that. Correction, that was Pastor's mom. That was, yes, it was. She taught me that. I got that from someone else. Yeah, I was looking at her. Rachel? Thank you, Carol. I know how Arminians deal with suffering. They believe it's essentially proof that you're not saved. But how do Calvinists deal with suffering as a Christian? Yeah, it sounds like you've got every reason to suffer if you're a Calvinist. There is this, um, Pastor Ren called described it almost fatalism. I mean, that, that's kind of what we mean with Calvinists. Um, they will talk about the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He does what he wants when he wants. And, and so Calvinists go around rejoicing in the sovereignty of God. So how do they do with suffering? Sometimes well, that's God's will. That's just the way it is. And so, you know, 
if you're if you got cancer, well, just you know that's God. He's sovereign. So he does did, whatever he wants. Why did Christ have to suffer then? <laughs> God, so, I mean, the I I don't change the answer. I just keep telling you the same thing. <laughs> okay, um, in one sense, and and for us. You know, we do use the God is in control. You said it earlier. But it's only comforting when we know that God died for the sins of the world and he is working out all things for the good for those who love him. When you take those things away and now you're telling me God is sovereign. Then why is he letting me suffer? I'm not quite sure, you know... um, oh, it puts me. It puts me in the position of, well, I'm the robot, and I just, I, I there's, there's no, um, but I, you know, to take my analogy, you know, if if I marry a robot and I program her to always love me, is, is that a marriage? We've seen that movie. Okay, so <laughs> not, that's really not love. I mean, and there's not so that, that I mean that's the point with it. Um, did you? Have, yeah, no. no. I just kind of go with what Mary said. So for struggling with sin, that's a good sign of somebody who has faith. Because if you didn't have faith, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be at all. struggling, you correct? You know, and obviously, you know, then we want to. Confess it, but you know yes. you don't just go. Oh well, um, everybody's a sinner. Right. So struggling with faith means I don't want to be sinning, and I am. Right. Very good, Tony Prosca. Yeah, there's a something that Paul says that's bothering me, and I can't figure it out. <clears throat> Run the race, so you win. And he says he fears that he would not win the prize if he did. <clears throat> I don't know what's going on there. Um, Paul is encouraging us, and he says this, to finish the race in faith. In other words, you know, trusting in Christ is the assurance that we're saved. Don't just a minute, don't say, well, I'm going to believe for a while, and then after a while, well, I just won't believe, or I won't, I won't continue in that faith. No, you know, faith trusts in Christ. And so, when I ask you, you know, do you believe? You know, and, and there are those, in, in many, I believe, help me in my unbelief. You know, I mean, you have all of that kind of thing. So Paul is encouraging us to continue in the plan that God has provided. That's what that's about. Um, I also think we, we need to remember that when Paul says that, he's talking about his death. His death was not a natural death. He was executed. When we're talking about our natural death, that's a different thing. What do we do? What do we do when persecution comes? And we have the option of either rejecting Christ or going to the cross. Now, who gives us the faith to not reject Christ? Christ does. 
That's what Paul is saying there, because Christ is not going to let us down, whether we die an artist, whether we die an execution, or a natural death, or an accident. When is Christ with us? Always. Always. All right, I got about ten minutes. Let me hit this. Lutheran Fathers, after Book of Concord, all right, uh, Andreas, Gerhard, Chemnitz, all of them after this, as and, and particularly the last book in the Book of Concord, called the Formula of Concord, was against the Calvinists. And we had secret Calvinists hanging out with the Lutherans, and we had to say, no, that's not what we believe. We don't believe that kind of thing. Um, after that... And it's not actually used in the Book of Concord, so you're not required to use the phrase intuitive fide, which means in view of faith. Okay? Um, but it was used after that. I mean, quite right after that. They used this against the Calvinist. Why? Because the Calvinist had this doctrine, double predestination, double election, that didn't really deal with faith. It was just picking nudely out of the bag. And so they used to get telling them, no, God doesn't elect blindly. His election before time is seen in time, and it happens through the instrument of faith. So this phrase, in view of faith, that God elects in view of faith, is just telling people, if you're concerned about your election, well, let me ask you, do you believe? Okay. Now, you've been elected because you believe. So it was used against the Calvinists that had, this, had no faith in their election. So that's what it was. It wasn't used as a looking ahead kind of thing to see what God did or whatever. No, it was used against the Calvinists that, that Jesus did not elect you know, apart from faith. No, he does. This is the way he does it. Um, Can I say something here? Yep. Faith. For a Lutheran is not a verb. It's always a noun. It's a gift from God. That's the way the scripture always talks about it. Arminians and Calvinists see faith as basically a verb. Walter. When Walter comes along, he says, I am not going to use that phrase. He refuses to use it. Why? Because he says, the people that use that are Arminians. So he, he says, I'm going to refuse to use it against the Arminian. Because the Arminians think that man's work of faith caused salvation. Walther says, God doesn't look around and see man's work of faith. He doesn't foresee ahead, oh, you're going to do that work and then elect those based on it. He says, no, election causes faith, not foreseen faith causing election, and refuse. And so Walter says, this is the phrase used by Arminians. I'm not going to use that phrase. Hmm. <laughs> so that, here is what we have. John Gerhard and others say election is in view of faith, and they use it against the Calvinists that say, no, there's an absolute election. 
God fixed some and doesn't fix others, apart from faith. When the later Lutherans spoke just like John Gerhard and some of the others and said, election is in view of faith, Walter says to them, you guys are synergists. You're works righteous people. You're using foreseen faith. That doesn't cause election. God's election is apart from and before faith. And when they hear that he's talking about election that's apart from faith, they then accuse him of being a Calvinist, saying you have an election apart from faith. And this becomes the crazy controversy of the 1880s. What? Because of the term out of context, they're taking it out of context. Correct. So what? And so they're not arguing about the same thing as you can see. Whenever you have a theological argument, you always want to get to the status controversy, the state of the controversy. What's the point that you're pushing here, right? You want to make sure that you're arguing about the same thing. They are not arguing about the same thing. And so it was a crazy mess. And any time, if you want to look at history, any time there is heresy and someone, you know, and, and something comes up, all of a sudden there's also, and I, I made it pretty simple, but all of a sudden you'll find that there were people that spoke up and said, Oh no, I do make faith, and faith is my decision. And we go, ooh, someone, you know, one of the Norwegians actually said that. And we went, no, no, and then someone else said, you know, well, no, uh, you know, God just chooses. And we go, no, no, that's Calvin, you know. And pretty soon you kind of go, uh, um, it's, it's hard <laughs> because everybody's there then starts coming up. But this is just what was going on. Questions, comments? This is what happens when you can't agree upon what a word actually means. And that happens so often. But I see exactly how we got to UOJ. Because you twist the meaning of the word just as ever so slightly. You're like, no, it's the same. No, it's not. Theologians trying to be lawyers. I did give you uh, this pink sheet. And I drew a line (laughs) on there. The top part in which they say... And, and it's interesting. Again, this was from something called the Lutheran Encyclopedia. It's actually produced by the Missouri Senate um, back um, several years ago. And what they do on, on the top, up to the line, is say, you know what? This is the way it was used. In opposing the Calvinistic view, the election of God is absolute. Honeus uh, and others taught divine election is not absolute, that God chooses people for eternal life. In view of faith, that is, that faith as our the term may have the meaning that God in electing people to salvation included faith in the degree of election, resolving to lead men to heaven through faith. So the first meaning is instrumental faith. That is, this is the instrument God used, this is the way he does it. And then, under this line, they go on to say, but it came to mean, that is, Walter said, that God chose certain people because of the faith which he foresaw that they would have so that faith is the cause of election and that's why Walter got mad at this and said we'll not have this anymore. Um, 
And so the predestinarian controversy arose because previously it meant this. Now they're saying it, it means it in this way. And so the argument then came up. In this, going back to your uh, white sheet, back of that page, page two, in the middle of the page, the election predestinarian controversy, everything goes back and forth, all kinds of things. There is something called the Madison Agreement, and I kind of mentioned that later, the Norwegian-Madison Agreement of 1912. All right, to go back to the history, uh, there started to be uh, some... Uh, Groups going together. Uh, the United Senate comes together. We'll talk about that. The Norwegian Danish Senate uh, comes together and forms the United Lutheran Church, or the United Norwegian Lutheran Church. They just call it the United Church. Finally, about 1912, this Norwegian Madison Agreement comes along and pretty well says there are two ways to look at election. There is the A way and the B way. A and B. Properly understood, neither one of these should be uh, uh, detrimental towards establishing fellowship. Right, rightly understood, they go together. Now, normally we would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, they both can't be right. But the point is, is that if you understand them rightly, it was used rightly before, and if someone understands it in the wrong way, well, then that too. The Madison Agreement actually makes sense and came through and said, you know, this is this way. Now, I will tell you that at first, there were those that, you know, they continued to fight the battle and to do whatever. What's interesting is that Franz Pieper, who is Walther's uh, uh, Elisha after Elijah. He is the one who picks up the mantle in a paper in which he calls a plea for united Lutheranism says fellowship of faith and church fellowship with those who hold Gerhardt's position in Tudu Fide does not cause the slightest difficulty. Such is the clue, clear verdict of experience. But then he goes on to state that the phrase in Tudu Fide you know, uh, is not clear, it's not the best term. If it can be under, misunderstood, well, then we ought not use it. You know, this is one of those unnecessary controversies, you know, in my opinion. Um, if we had gotten down to what we're really talking about, it appears that the Lutherans agree. Uh, there was personalities, there was F.A. Schmidt, there was uh, you know, others. Um, anyway, it works itself out. Um, nevertheless, 1934, the brief statement, um, Missouri says form number one is the one we will use. Or form number two, Wathers, is the one we will use. Though they do understand that it can be rightly understood. Um, Anyway, that gets us to the end of this. Also, I got the controversy. We're going to go on next time uh, with what happens after 1917, 400th anniversary of the 95 Theses.
every time there is an anniversary, crazy things happen <coughs> in Lutherans. Uh, you know, uh, what what year are we in? Twenty twenty two. Five more years. Get ready, guys. It's gonna be. Oh wait, we're only five years ago. Twenty seventeen. We missed. Ah. Um, anything crazy happen? Yeah. I don't know. Um, twenty seventeen. It was supposed to be crazy stuff. Um, that happens every hundred years. Well, the Catholics declared that the. Uh, Doctrine of Justification. Were in agreement. Yeah. When hang out with the uh, female bishop in Uppsala. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Let's conclude. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings which you have showered upon us. We thank you for your Son, whom you sent to us even while we were still sinners. We thank you for creating faith in our hearts through, through the word. And we ask, dear Lord, that just as you have promised, that you would bring your good purpose to fulfillment in our uh, final salvation. Uh, we ask, dear Lord, that you would uh, keep us uh, in your plan of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.